Good evening, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 21 of the Matt and Matt No Scale Train podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rochford, and with me is always is my co-host. Matt, how are you doing tonight, I'm doing sir? Fantastic. How about yourself, buddy? I'm doing well, thank you. So tonight we are going to have another interview. And tonight we have Matt from the YouTube channel, Maddie C Trains. Matt C, how are you tonight? Doing great. This is a, a hat trick we got going on here. <laughs> Three mats in one show. So this should be a lot of fun. I hope it doesn't get confusing for your listeners. I'm excited. Yeah. Again, we'll try to use the, uh, you know, the uh, first initial of the last name to make, make things clear. Uh, at least we'll try. We'll see. So, <laughs> um, so in most interview podcasts here, we, um, I usually just like to dive right into it. Sure. Uh, Matt Z, do you have anything you want to cover before we uh, jump no, in? I'm excited for this interview. Let's see what we got in store here. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to jump into it with my typical first question here, Matt C. Um, when and who got you started in model railroading? You know, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, I would say majority of it was just my own doing at a very young age. Um, I was four years old. And by that time, in my demographic, I was uh, really in the Thomas and Friends growing up. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of the wooden trains on the floor and then I had the battery trains and I was so captivated by that show and its models and the cinematography and everything. And I still am into it to this day. And then one day, you know, I was about maybe seven or eight and was like, what are real trains like? And then I went online, found on YouTube in its infancy. And, you know, there wasn't Eric Siegel at the time. There wasn't um, really O-scale model railroaders there. There was O-scale train videos online, but I just looked up a lot of videos, of train shows, and um, a lot of uh, mainline trains. And I fondly remember probably by the age, I think by the age of seven, uh, six or seven or so, I started watching the TM book videos. And I was just hooked. I Everything from the Hudson's they were showing to... All, all the original like Mike's train house stuff and you know, just all the, the stuff that they were showing in those videos. I was just hooked and going to uh, the toy train museum out in uh, Lancaster County in Strasburg. Um, that was it. That, that was the nail in the coffin. And my parents just like supported it the whole time. My grandfather actually probably is the real, real reason why I'm in trains because um, back in the early heydays of YNL, like my grandfather used to go to Mass and Hardware. He bought a set of 2343s in the box, brand new. And he had a big layout back in the day. There is photos of it. It was a big L-shaped layout in his basement. Um, we're still trying to find those photos just to have proof that he actually had an actual layout. But he did put, my mother always told me that he put trains around the Christmas tree all the time. And um, yeah, he finally gave me his collection. Um, th this past year, so I got those twenty three forty threes on my display case, and uh, so it, it, I would say he's probably the real reason I got into it. Outside of that little blue O six O, so no, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think we've kind of stated this before: is uh, grandparents tend to have a very uh, heavy influence uh, on uh, on Monterey eroding. Uh, for me as well, uh, my grandmother was, uh, you know always buying me something little uh, for the train, you know, little trolley here, a little car here. She was very excited about it. You know, she didn't know too much about the, uh, you know, the actual details of the hobby, like setting it up and, you know, how to make this work and how to make that work. But she just, she loved the way everything looked. And, um, you know, she was a big influence for me. And obviously my dad too, because I have, I have my dad's Lionel train set, a uh, post-war train set, uh, when he was a kid in the um, in the fifties, and um, and yeah, it just like uh, grandparents have always been a big influence um, on I think I think on most people. So at least the people that we've had on this podcast, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the other big thing that you hit on was TM books. I think any of us, you know, kids from the nineties and early two thousands, you know, that's all we watched was the uh, the TM stuff. Oh, what great stuff that was! Except for some of the music, like some of those catchy, cheesy songs they had in the 
middle yeah. <laughs> in my head. I mean, the the songs about New York Central or steam trains and uh, streamliners and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, looking back, they're funny as hell, but you know, they're 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 still enjoyable nonetheless. Oh yeah. So you've had a um, I find it really interesting. You've actually had a YouTube channel for about over well i should say over 10 years is that correct yeah so that was back in the heyday that was i made that youtube channel back when i was i believe sixth grade or seventh grade and um for the longest time it was just for me to mess around with myself and another fellow uh youtuber and creator um he's in our discord server for the uh, uh listeners of your show um otaku rail fan he and i used to meet up all the time after school and whatnot playing with our trains and we wanted to document some of the stuff and looking back some of it i admit is not the best it's definitely ancient youtube videos now and i don't tend to look at them but you know i look back on them for just like how i can do better from then and now because i did revamp my channel i would say this year i probably produced so far six new videos um and I'm I'm learning from a lot of uh, other YouTubers like you guys, for instance, like you guys have been producing a lot of content as well. Um, but going back to how I started with YouTube, yeah, it kind of just was a thing to just mess around with. I mean, granted, that was back in the heyday of YouTube and everybody was kind of just posting random videos online, really. It was in YouTube's infancy. There was no real identity for anybody's YouTube channels at that point back in 2000. I think, God, I think my oldest video dates back maybe 2009 or eight, I believe. Um, I, I don't quote me on that one. I would have to double check, but, but, but yeah, uh, YouTube has definitely been a, a thing that I've been doing for a very long time. And I'm, I'm definitely looking to get, continue to stick, stick with it. Yeah. I think your um, I think your first video was November 12th, 2010. Oh, <laughs> he's got it. He's got it all, <laughs> man. <laughs> was not expecting <laughs> that to come out. <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> that dude, that I find that actually very yeah, that's awesome. Cool, dude, to be really. honest, you know that that that's cool. That uh, I I kind of wish, uh, you know, I would have made a channel earlier. Um, but uh, you know, I didn't really get back into the hobby. I was into the hobby, but uh, when I was originally into it, and I had you know some of those pictures I showed from uh, uh from my 500 subscriber uh, YouTube channel. Um, I, uh, you know, there wasn't any YouTube back then. <laughs> there, were, there was, there was internet. There was AOL. <laughs> that was, that was from the AOL days. So, <laughs> but, um, no, no, I, I think that's great, dude. I, I think having, you know, being on there for 10 years, um, and just, you know, people were, I, I, and like, like you said before, like, you know, there wasn't much early on. So like people were, like just and it was kind of like one of those defining times for YouTube as well uh, when they the growth just started, um, you know, j- just rolling downhill. Right. It just started getting super huge. And all these people that, you know, weren't really big on using the Internet and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the older generation who weren't very attuned to using their, their phones and stuff like that. Really? I think that, that was, I think one of the largest um, surges, I think of people. Uh, and I, I, for an example, I take that as like, my mom isn't really a technical person at all, but um, she, since she's got an iPhone, I mean, the lady is on YouTube, like <laughs> constantly. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I mean, uh, and this is a person who was like, I don't want it. I don't want technology. I don't want to touch it. Like, I don't want it. And now it's like, oh, I wonder what cool dog video I can find today on YouTube. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> it's an interesting thing about uh, YouTube, specifically with trains. There really wasn't a whole lot of rail fan videos online or model specifically with our genre here there was next to nobody making videos about model trains like reviews and uh layout tours or anything like that i mean it was really sparse back in the day back in 2010 it really was the only guy who was really big at the time was eric siegel or now eric strains um he was probably the only one that was really pushing and making youtube content granted 
if you look back at his older videos, like his like his uh, YouTube skills weren't no, no no offense to him, of course, but like he was still trying to figure stuff out too back then. So you know his he didn't really do many reviews or anything like that. It was mostly just him messing around building his layout at first, and then before Eric, there was just a couple of videos of you know guys making rail rail fan videos like a uh, forty four forty nine and when it was still running and um, videos on Strasburg Railroad and stuff like that. There was rail fan videos, but there wasn't like model videos. There's barely anything. Really bizarre back in the day. Wasteland. Yeah, I and I was a big fan of uh, Eric's trains as well, and I, I watched him quite a bit. Uh, this is kind of like when I just came back to the hobby and I was like, OK, what like what do I do here? What's what's legacy? Like what? How do I hook this up? And uh, his channel was um, was a big help. And and you are right. Like I, I started I went back to his earlier content and I'm like, wow, this is like kind of like mine. Like when I was like first starting out and um you know, it was, it was, it was, you can actually see like his, his, uh, his growth and his uh, evolution mm-hmm. of his videos and the amount of uh, detail and effort that he put into videos like over the number of years. And uh, I would say, you know, his videos are, are very, very well done. They're very well edited and um, he does, he does a good job. And, and I, you know, when I started doing reviews on my end, um, you know, I, I, I patterned a lot of his techniques, um, over my own videos because I thought he did a great job and I, I wanted to kind of like, you know, uh, use that technique in my videos. And now I've kind of evolved into my own kind of thing as well. But, uh, um, but, uh, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, um, the YouTube has been a huge, huge, uh, What's the best way to put this? It's done a lot for modern railroading. How about that? That's the best way to put it. It's like I would yeah. say mostly just um, social media in general has really shaped up this hobby in the last. I would say we've been in a renaissance in the last maybe like three four years. I mean Insta- Instagram specifically in the last two years it's blown up. Like mm-hmm. Instagram, you're finding new people making content on there like every day. Like I'm seeing new in, uh, guys joining the app every day, and it's it's really inspiring a lot of manufacturers to want to get into it. Lionel's doing a lot of uh, social media stuff. MTH has been doing a lot of social media stuff. Just in Train World specifically, they they have been doing a lot of work in the social media aspect too, and just making this community grow all the more every year. Oh yeah. I'll tell you, Train World rocks with their social media stuff. I mean, they really, they put every resource they got into it. I love watching and looking at their stuff. Yeah, I, I have to, uh, I agree with you on the Instagram. It's been a huge um, just boom. And just recently, like, I, I actually, I had an Instagram account, but I didn't do too much with that. I think I had like one or two photos on there. But in the last, I would say, two or three months, I decided to be a little bit more involved in it. And I found it to be a, an excellent medium uh, for, for at least like model railroading in terms of like the stuff that I do, because I'm able to express myself in with one photo and I don't have to like sit there and do kinds of all kinds of editing and, and everything like that. It's kind of like, you know what, this is, this is a picture of my layout, you know, whether it be an engine or, rolling stock or some type of scene that I have set up on my layout, but it allows me to quickly take that and then put it right on the Instagram, put it right on Instagram for all of the, anybody that follows me to, uh, to absorb it. Right. And to like uh, kind of take it in. And uh, I I've actually, uh, I've been very, very happy with Instagram and I haven't checked my follower account, but um, I I've definitely boosted pretty well in the last couple of months with, uh, with new followers and me fa- finding other, moderator rotors to follow as well and uh, i like picking my phone up in the morning and just kind of like scrolling through and and uh you know metra's on there amtrak's on there like burlington northern like even these big railroad companies are on there like posting all of these things so uh it's instagram has definitely been a a a great addition uh to social media and to uh for moderator roading absolutely so uh, this might be a um uh, 
a loaded question, but uh, or maybe we already know the answer. But uh, what is your favorite railroad and why? Okay, so this is going to be more so of a list. I mean, I every it's it's such a hard question, and I'm sure a lot of your other guests on this show have said the same thing. It's it's really hard to pinpoint a favorite railroad because there's so many famous ones, and there's just so many unique and exciting ones out there. Um, and there's always something for everyone. For me. Obviously, being a local here on Long Island, I mean, the old Long Island Railroad stuff, I've always been a fan of everything going back to the early days of steam, where Pennsylvania Railroad used to own the Long Island Railroad, which I found fascinating how they saved this this railroad. And now it's still one of the biggest and the largest commuter railroads in the world. And it's still under its original charter name, which is really amazing. If you think about that, there's not many railroads left in the country aside from Union Pacific, that are still under its original charter. So that in itself, I've always been fascinated by. But outside of the Long Island Railroad, I would say I have an oddball railroad, one that not a lot of guys talk about, and that's um, the New York, Ontario, and Western. I think that's just such a cool railroad outside of the, you know, the typical New York area like Long Island and New York Central. Um to me, that railroad is, I consider it the ghost railroad of New York because it was mostly a railroad that was upstate and I believe went to parts of Boston and I, th- I think up towards uh, Lake Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it mostly covered all of the upstate portion of, of New York and whatnot, it handled majority of like the freight operations and stuff like that. And unfortunately, towards the end of its life, by I would say the mid to early 60s, it went bankrupt, and which was an unfortunate thing. But um, most of their locomotives don't exist anymore, especially their steam locomotives, like so many other railroads. But um, there is a handful of locomotives that are actually still around in museums, which I find fascinating. There is a 44-tonner that Steamtown is currently restoring, which is pretty cool. Um, and I, I just always found it so different compared to the other New York area railroads. So. Uh, that that that's just that's just a personal thing. But then the other railroad I would say I, I enjoy the most is probably the Pennsylvania Railroad because I go to Lancaster County and Strasburg all the time, and I've always just been fond of that railroad's history, its locomotives, and just its significance to um, the East Coast side of things when it comes to rail travel. That's cool. Um, I think that uh, you hit the nail on the head though with uh, NYO and W. I mean, I have the uh, Legacy NW two. Uh, I love that engine, but uh, NYO and W, I really think that's a railroad that really needs to be shown more. You know, your power railroads are cool, don't get me wrong, but your short lines, is, I guess is what I'll call it, really need to be shown more. All of them. Matt Z, uh, do you own any uh, any uh, model railroading uh, equipment from that? See, there's the thing. I absolutely love the O&W, but I have no models of them because unfortunately, Every single time Lionel, you know, in a catalog, you know, drops an oddball and say, oh, hey, here's an O&W product. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't have the funds for it at this time. And um, it's 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 unfortunate. But um, at the same time, I, I do have a couple friends who have um, some equipment. Um, and particularly my one friend has the F units that they came out with that were uncataloged, which were are beautiful engines. However. The problem with them, why they're on catalog, is because Lionel had a big to do with the paint job of the locomotive. They are incorrect to the O and W. Um, Matt, if you were to put your um, your switcher next to these F units, you would be a little surprised because the blue it's the paint scheme on it's more like a baby like turquoisey blue, and that's completely incorrect to the like Owen to the O and W. If you look at pictures, they do not look like that in real life at all. It's more of like a, it's, it's still a blue, but it's more of a white finish, like a grayish white color. And for some reason, Lionel thinks it's a blue. So they, they had them available at a specific hobby shop. They had to liquidate them. I think my friend paid $600 for these engines. It was the ABA set, the ABA set. And they, they just, the, the hobby shop had a bunch of them and they couldn't, get rid of them because of the paint problems and guys were like i'm not paying a lot premium price for the wrong paint and you know i lion it's kind of a, a joke not not necessary to lionel i just find it a little funny how 
Um, I've seen countless manufacturers get paint incorrect. And, it, it, you know, these guys have to do history, get like a history lesson because they have to really look through old books and old photographs to make sure they're getting the right paint. And it, it's so difficult to do that in this hobby. Like it's, I would say MTH probably is the best at getting their paint jobs correct. Although everybody says, but I have a I have a running joke in, in my collection. Everyone sees my Long Island stuff. I have a RS one that's in a dark uh, gray, which is correct. And then I go to Weaver passenger cars that I picked up from my our buddy DJ, and it's more of like a lighter gray. And then Lionel's is this a very very bright gray. Like it's three different colors of gray. Like to me, gray is gray. You know. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's sad about but, uh, that uh, NW that uh, F here? Not to cut you off, but um, it's sad that they got it wrong once. It's even worse that they, that they got it wrong twice. You know what I mean? It's terrible. Yeah, that that was the biggest problem. They had to re they had to reproduce these F units two times. The first time was just a complete bluish color, and then the second time they were like, "We're not changing it. We're keeping it the way it is." And it, it's more of like. If you think of like Easter colors, it's more like that Easter blue, really. Mm. It's it's a very to me. I find it actually a beautiful color. Like if you ever see it's it's on, I believe it's on my club's Instagram page. I think we did a, a post about them. If you see the photos of these engines, they're actually really nice. Cool. It seems like uh, uh, the the Eastern railroads get a little get hit a little harder with the color palette. I think than most other places uh, in the United States, and I could be wrong on that, but it seems that always seems to be true. And I and, and I understand there's probably a lot more uh, railroads, you know, individual your unique railroads, uh, you know, on the eastern side of uh, the United States. But uh, but I don't know. Just all the his, history has kind of shown that uh, you know the color the color palette kind of gets. Uh, uh, it's not always on target <laughs> from uh, from multiple, uh, you know, uh, model railroad companies. So, but you were right. It's not just the Lionel is just not the only one that does it. Um, you know, it, it's it's through all scales. Um, but I think Lionel kind of gets hit the hardest because, well, O scale gets hit hard because number one, it, you know, it's it's a, it's a larger model, so obviously it's it's sometimes it's a little easier to kind of tell like if there's a color variation and stuff like that and um you know i uh, luckily i haven't been really plagued with really any kind of um color issues before but you know i'm not the kind of guy that's kind of like you know oh this is wrong this the color's wrong in this or you know this is um you know the uh the, you know this bolt is wrong or stuff like that like i'm not it's you know it is what it is you know these are model trains and they're they're toys really and you know we're, we're not really buying like accurate 100 replicas we're buying a model train that they put electronics into and they're you know they're trying to you know replicate the real thing as much as they can so now you know are some are some are some of the things they've done like like swing and misses pretty bad probably but example if you look at the legacy j that came out recently the stripe is incorrect to a t and lionel knew it when they cataloged and the sad thing well not the sad thing thankfully they got the artists who painted those models and said, listen, if you really want the correct color, send it back and I'll do it for free. So, you know, I'll give credit to Lionel where credit's due. Yeah, that was that was a good thing. That, that was a good on them to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you yep. know, the sad thing is, and uh, th- this is the end of this talk, I, I think, uh, is um, it, this goes beyond paint. And the sad annoyance with it is sound and the biggest offender of this is the legacy the latest legacy round of j1a texas type steamers they put Mm -hmm. the banshee whistle in the j1a why i have no idea apparently it's prototypical i i would never i know a buddy of ours has a video of it up and to hear that little whistle come out of that big monstrous engine it's like what is that it's terrible you know, going back to that, actually, it's funny. Um, I don't 
necessarily, this might be not controversial, but um, when it comes to the Vision Line Hudson that came out years ago, mm-hmm. to me, that whistle is not correct to a J, to a J1A. It's just, it's just not. I, I, but you got to understand with, again, like I was saying before, with when Lionel or MTH or any of these manufacturers, you know, do like a history lesson, they're not, they're going on just fact or what they know from history books. Like they, they, they do as much research as they possibly can to make the best sounding engines they can. But now and again, you're going to get an engine that just sound wise, isn't going to hit the mark 100%. True. It's just, it's just not. Yep. Yeah, the, the, that's very true. And, and I, I want to go back just really fast because, yeah, I, we, 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 we don't want to beat a dead horse here to death. But but, um, you know, me saying like, you know, a lot of things aren't a big deal for me when they're not 100 percent accurate is my my opinion. You know, everyone has a right. If you're spending your own money and you have 100 percent, you know, right to decide whether or not, you know, your money was well spent or not. So I don't want to you know, I don't want to make other people feel like, you know, oh, but, you know, uh, you know, he, he doesn't know he's talking about, you know, it's not his money. And yeah, I totally get it too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have every right to, you know, uh, uh, get what you bought, what, get what you bought, you know, stuff like that. Sure. So, yeah. um, but I will say the one thing that probably irks me a little bit more than anything is that if they offer something in a catalog and it is 100% correct looking in the catalog, and then when you get it, it's nothing like the catalog picture. Oh yeah. That is that I would agree on. That's a definite no, no, like that should not happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you're showing people what you should get when it comes and they open it up. It should be as advertised. You know what I mean? So especially when you're spending over the one K amount for these engines, they ain't cheap. Exactly. Well, especially, especially when everything's built to order as well, yeah. right? Because when it's built to order, here's a picture of what it's going to be. Okay, well, you want me to pay money up front for this, and I'm trusting you to make it look like this when it arrives. And you know that that's a huge deal. Now, this is just a suggestion that I've thought of with a few other people. Why don't in the future, like for future catalogs, I why don't they wait till they have like production samples and take actual photos to put them in the catalog for people to see what the model looks like physically instead of a render. There you go. Cause to me that that's a big to do. Cause you, you had it, you said it before, Matt, like the fact that, you know, we, so, some of us guys drop thousands on these engines and they end up not being what we expect them to be from the catalog picture. I, as a consumer, I would be a little disappointed. Damn. And you know that's something I think Lionel or any of these manufacturers should really look into. I would say the MTH catalogs, the, the, the earlier ones, they actually took pictures of their production samples and put them in the catalog. Those were not renders. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good idea. Now, I, I don't know if that is something that, you know, is... You know, at least for an all Lionel, <laughs> excuse me, um, let me start over the three, two, one. So I don't know if that's something, at least from Lionel standpoint, if that's something like financially that they can't do because, you know, they're having to actually you know, like actually paint, you know, a, a shell and take pictures of it. You know, I, I, I'm not in the business, so I, I don't know for sure, but I do agree with you. I think, you know, actually painting an actual model instead of a computerized render is definitely a plus and a, in a, in a step in the right direction as far as making sure that you get what you saw in, you know, in the catalog. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. We go from, we go from what, what equipment do I have? To <laughs> to like, yeah. Hey, you know, that that's going to happen on this podcast. Yeah, go on so we'll, it. Going back to it really fast. Yeah. No, I do not have much O&W equipment, but in the future, I might just get some blank pieces of rolling stock and custom decal and weather them to be O&W. So, okay. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. So what is your something to kind of uh, another another question I like to ask because it um, it holds a lot of value, especially like right now in uh, in 2021. But um, what is your personal take on the O scale model railroading industry for the next 10 years? Wow. That is, yeah. um, that's a very, very good question. <laughs> um, 
I mean, we touched on it before, but I'll say it again because, you know, it, it does relate to this question heavily. I think definitely social media is the all the way for, for the hobby going forward because if anything, younger generations are going to be on their phones a lot more frequently and on these social media apps and, you know, seeing trains, you know, be cool in a way by, you know, having these manufacturers on the on these platforms and showcasing their products and making new and exciting things. Um, again, it's, it's probably been a dead horse in our hobby for a very long time, but youth is very important going forward. I mean, keeping kids engaged and interested is always going to be a factor into, you know, the next generation of people getting into this hobby. Um, to me, I would say definitely digital control is definitely becoming king in this hobby. You're seeing less and less conventionally controlled stuff. Everything standard is command control now. So it's it's more of, to me, again, it's, it's a hard question to say, but I, I personally would say that I look to, towards, you know, just having these, you know, electronics. Just I don't know how much more you can really advance the electronics in our hobby as far as O scale is concerned, because um, I think one of your other guests on this show touched on it before. I think Automus made a good point. Um, he said that uh, Johnny said that Vision Line. I think it's past its prime now because what else could you really put into a locomotive at this point uh, that they haven't already done? So I. You know, you've done whistle steam, you've done swinging bells, you've now achieved cylinder steam, and you've achieved dynamo steam, you've achieved everything that a steam engine could smoke out at this point, you know? <laughs> but um, I would say definitely going forward for the next 10 years, that definitely social media is king, and I think we're just heading more into a digital age of how trains are getting controlled nowadays. And definitely as always, and the most important to me is definitely the youth, just keeping them engaged, keep making things that are exciting and different. I want to see more like hands-on stuff in, in starter sets, not just a locomotive track and some rolling stock. Like, give kids something extra in a set that make them want to play with it more and want to carry their imagination into other things within the hobby. You know, maybe build a set build a, a layout based on your first starter set. Because I've seen tons of people take their starter sets. I've seen a guy do an entire Harry Potter themed layout with Hogwarts Castle and all that stuff. And things from the movies. And I've seen plenty of Polar Express uh, related uh, layouts and whatnot. So I think definitely keeping the immersion in this hobby is very important. Yeah, I think, and I think Lionel, that's a good point. I think Lionel is doing a good, uh, a great job of it too, with a lot of their, um, they're, they're pumping out those theme sets, right? I mean, they, they even have some new IPs in the last couple of years, you know, with, uh, Star Trek and, uh, you know, uh, Scooby Doo and uh, just like, you know, they're, they're trying to keep up with, uh, you know, with the times now, still waiting for my Star Wars Lionel train I set. So, I mean, Lionel, if you're listening to this, come on. It's like the biggest, oh. <laughs> the biggest culture thing out there almost, at least yeah. for a lot of people on like my, in my generation are waiting for. So, exactly. I, I'm seeing <laughs> the next two big sets, Lionel, if you do listen to us, a Star Wars set and a Marvel set will 100% sell. There is oh, yeah. denying it. You got yeah, and to make a lot of money off of it. They're already, they're already working with Disney, right? So it's not, so it's not access, which is right, right. Disney owns them both, so it's not like they don't have access to this to the licenses. It's just about you know getting the deal done to put those particular um, you know IPs on a train. So, but yeah, they got. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent on uh, with you on that, uh, Maddie C. Um, Star Wars and and uh, of you know Marvel is gonna would be huge. I would buy both of those. I would buy a Spider-Man inspired F unit. I would. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. And now like with the, um, and speaking of technology, when you were talking about that before, um, I was watching uh, on Monday uh, demos with Dave. Uh, he, um, he was doing the, the um, he was demoing the Bluetooth five with the, uh, the recording feature where you can like either broadcast live or 
record up to like three recordings and then play them back on your train. And I thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was pretty cool. So that's definitely kind of down the lines of, um, you know, adding, adding some more flavor into your, into your technology. So that's cool. You know, I now to, to answer your question on the, um, and what you brought up on the vision line. And I do agree with you. And Johnny was, it was definitely on top of it when he said that, you know, let's, let's maybe have some start, see a lot more vision line rolling stock. Um, and, uh, you know, besides the, you know, all the box cars out there, right. <laughs> that, that have something like, let's see some other types of rolling stock that have, you know, vision line, uh, you know, technology in it. Remember so. DJ and I, we won our no fucking Western coal cars with smoking units and depleting coal load. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that honestly is probably one of the coolest ideas that they, I would buy a pack or two of them. Me too. Especially those nice die cast hoppers. Oh yeah. The Lionel hoppers to me, the die cast ones are probably some of the best hoppers in, in, in this scale mm-hmm. by far. We were yep. talking yesterday and, yep. uh, I really, out of all the Lionel cars I have, A, none of them I think are bad. I love them all. But those diecast hoppers, yeah, those are bricks. I love those things. Now, what they need to do, um, going back on your, um, bouncing back to the uh, Vision Line engines, um, 100%, they need to put cams in the cab. Oh, yeah. So yeah. We, need, we need the... I'm going to look at my phone and I'm and, I, and I'm driving the engine, right? Whether it be a steam engine or a diesel engine or, you know, whatever kind of, uh, you know, engine you're, you're driving, like put it a subway. Oh, putting, yep. Yep. I'll beep that out later. Um, <laughs> putting a camera from that perspective, I think would be super, super cool. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So. I think that's all you can, to me at least, that's all you can really do. Now, there is one feature that, you know, this is this is Walt Disney level stuff. Okay. What my, this idea, I have. the only other thing I could see them do possibly in the future, like I'm, so, I'm talking maybe like 10 years down the road when technology is way more advanced, have holograms of, of the conductor or the locomotive crew, like working around the locomotive or something. Like that's, that'd like, be cool. I knew that. That is, that is like my only thing I can see them possibly doing, like that can make a model just be or control itself. Maybe that would be the, <laughs> that would be the point of having <laughs> this hobby. But that would be like my only other thing. Like maybe in the future, instead of having like plastic figures in the cab, maybe have holograms somehow of them shoveling coal or like blowing the whistle cord when you blow the whistle on the remote or something like that. That That's like all I could really think of in this hobby for going forward. For That'd line. be cool. Are we, are we talking like a hunted mansion type uh, <laughs> stuff know, going on here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that is pretty, that is, I, I, you know, I didn't think about that, but now that you had brought it up, it, that is actually pretty yeah. cool. I seen it, you know what, you know where I got the idea from and it's, it's, it's funny. Lionel did a animated movie a few years ago, like years ago. Lionel had a branded movie called, I think it was called Lionelville Adventure or something like that. And in the movie, I briefly saw a trailer for it and they had this experimental locomotive that had holograms projecting like a, a locomotive crew. And I'm like, maybe they're teasing that. Maybe they're saying, hey guys, maybe in 20, 30 years, we're going to do this for real. Uh, that that would be cool. Yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, me too. That'd be cool. Yeah, the immersion in this hobby to me is what really sells me. Because um, you know, being building like being a part of a model railroad club, like we build. To me, my philosophy with model trains is we build these beautiful, detailed sets, and then the locomotives are the movies, mm-hmm. and they they do the majority of the acting, and they just come to life especially with all this vision line legacy stuff so, you know yep. seeing more stuff like i would say definitely in, in going back to the original question more immersive stuff like technology like that going forward i think would just be fantastic. oh yeah definitely yep. i agree all right so let's go let's keep moving on here um do you have a quote 
unquote holy grail engine or a piece of rolling stock that you've been looking for for like the longest time and you're like oh like you got your searches on ebay you got people looking out for this item like you know it's just like this this one or maybe few items that you're like if this pops up i'm like insta buying it this okay this is I've been preparing myself for a question like this. I've listened to the show before. And I've had to narrow down quite a few locomotives, but I, I'll keep it I'll keep it brief, but there is a, a, a decent list here. Now I have a holy grail already that is on my Instagram and it's on my YouTube channel. It's actually becoming it's becoming pretty well known that this locomotive is in existence right now. The current Holy Grail that I do own is a MTH Premier uh, LMS uh, Duchess class European set. Oh, I love I got that. Thing. That is my that was my Holy Grail for the longest time, and that you know, going back to why I wanted the set so bad, that set came out back in 2010, I believe, and I was a little sixth grader, seventh grader with no money, and I was like, you know what, these are going to come and go. I'm never going to see these. I'm only going to see them online. Maybe one or two people on YouTube is going to post a video about it. And then the rest are just going to be out there in private collections, never to see the light of day. And then finally, this past year, this, this a few months ago, I uh, just luck of the draw, some guy on a Facebook group I'm a part of showed a picture of a hobby shop he went to. And sure enough, the last picture of his picture thread was the entire set. I'm like, how do I get a hold of them? And how do I reserve this? Because I am not missing this opportunity. So sure enough, after a lot of a few months of layaway, that engine came home. And let me tell you, that is probably one of the best locomotives Mike has ever produced. It is one of the most detailed, unique locomotives that I think are in O scale. British British locomotives and just British railroading that's an entirely different beast compared to Amer- what we have here in the States. Like their, how their locomotives work and how the gearing works on the surface. Yeah. Steam engines look the same, but un- under the hood, like British train, British steamers are totally different to what we have here in America. But I, I going back, but yeah, that I would say is my current Holy grail, but okay. the current list of what I'm looking for, um, there's a few, but the, the I would say the main, couple i've narrowed it down to like I believe, uh to at least four and <laughs> rip my bank account um, <laughs> i would say right now the current one i am after is a mth premier l uh a2 berkshire new york Central. oh yeah i hear you there that buddy that let me tell you what that engine if that thing would be re-ran, it would sell out instantly. I know I've been looking for one of those for ages. And when they come up, they're always ridiculously expensive. But I really want one of those. I completely hear you, man. It's a really... A lot of New York Central fans call it the ugly duckling of the New York Central as far as their prototypes. But, like, I can't help but just love it. Like, I love and live for locomotives like that that get made in this in this scale. Like, I just love the unique prototypes that didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with, with O-Scale, who cares? Like, they're not going to scrap it. Like, I can run it, and it will run perfectly fine as the uh, builder intended it to run. So, sure. you know, <laughs> those those are terrific locomotives. I hope in the future I can find one. There was one recently on Cabin Fever auctions but it sold for i believe 1200 and i was like yeah no i'm not doing that no (laughs) and the next engine i'm looking to get is even harder it's a third rail 475 oh good luck with that one i know uh sid from i think it was sid sid or johnny one of the two uh was looking for everybody everybody that we know (laughs) outside of this podcast is wanting that engine and i only know one guy in my in my model railroad club that hat i've seen it it looks gorgeous i want one but i'm probably not going to find it so that that's the holy grail and then the last one is again from third rail and this is a two-parter because they they may this is technically would be number this would be number three and four um they made 
Third Rail made a Flying Scotsman and a A4 Mallet. Oh, way back. Hmm. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how long they made them. It was a limited production run. They only made fifty of each engine. Oh wow! So they are extremely hard to find. But I, I never thought that that company would make those engines. And the Flying Scotsman, I think, is actually probably one of the most well-known British trains here in the states. Like it's a really popular engine. Mm-hmm. And in, yep. in part, that has to do with Thomas and Friends because that's the character on the show. But I digress with that. But they made the A4s, which are beautiful engines. I would say they're up there. I would say, to me, that the, the A4s are probably the K4s here, I mean, in the United Kingdom. Like, they are probably the most famous locomotive class that, that exists mm. over there. And they made the Mallard, which broke the speed record of 125 miles per hour. Oh, wow. And then they, they made the Silver Jubilee. See how much stuff I know about British trains? <laughs> what is this guy talking about? Are you, br- are you British? You know, you come on, you can tell us. Just a little bit. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. We, we just lost our whole yeah. European audience. So. <laughs> Who are these guys? They're making fun of us over here. Yeah, yeah. Stupid I, Americans. I definitely say those are, that's currently my holy grail list. If I could see them, I would be very happy. That's really cool. Dude. Well, that's, that is a very cool list. And, um, on your first, uh, the first item that you had, uh, you mentioned your your LMS Duchess, um, and because you're a guest on our show, Matt, I want to make sure people know uh, that uh, if you want to watch that video right now, you can head over to YouTube and type in Maddie Speed, uh, Maddie. Let me rephrase that, Maddie C Space Trains, and uh, and you can watch that video as well. So uh, do uh, do Matt a favor, head over there. Uh, watch his video and hit that subscribe button as well. Oh, yeah. So now uh, back to the uh, back to the show here. I don't have any additional questions, but I'm going to throw the uh, the uh, the interview mic over to Matt Z and uh, see uh, see if he has any uh, any questions for you or any curveballs that he wants to throw at you. Sure, absolutely. All right, well, I I don't really have any questions per se. But I do have a couple. Of- discussion points i wanted to hit on and the first one is your theme sets and i know yesterday at the time of recording this we had a very fun call and um we were talking about theme sets and one of the ones that that i brought up and i really want this to happen is a uh, family guy theme set oh Oh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man that would that would instantly sell i'm telling you man just having a horn saying and then giggity for the bell that would be hilarious is that I, I i can't even no that would, even. that would really be something i'll tell you man that would that would well i mean with somebody. the uh with the with the new lionel uh, uh five bluetooth 5.0 you can kind of almost do that yeah you, you can you could probably take any recording you want from the tv show and just put it into any existing locomotive that you have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Um, and then I had another uh, little quick little thing, and that was on your Holy Grail list. And one of the Holy Grails you actually already have, uh, wasn't on this list, but I know you've talked to me about it before, it was uh, DJ's um, Long Island uh, Pullman Bradley cars. Let's talk a little bit about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, man, like for the longest time, I have been looking for those cars, maybe for the last. I'd say probably the last five years. And DJ was the only guy who had them. Uh, you go on you go on YouTube and you look up those passenger cars. His videos are the only ones that come up. And I've looked on OGR forum. Nobody on OGR has them. I've been to York maybe like three times and I couldn't find a single guy who had those cars. Oh, wow. I, was just, I was getting to the point where these cars are just going to be in his collection. He might have been the only guy who bought these cars. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> let us know there if if you were the only guy who had these in production so but uh no they're absolutely phenomenal cars i recently put passengers in them because they don't come with them out of the box so i bought a set of 120 figures off of amazon for like 20 bucks and a few clips of the the legs and uh there you go 
Cool. Yep. That's that's what I do. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon figures, clip the leg, clip yeah. the feet, good to go. Yeah. They're yep. LED equipped, which is really nice. Weaver, I, these are modern Weaver cars. This was before Weaver went out. So okay, they were gotcha. these cars were released. Um, I believe 2014. So they're they're actually fairly recent cars. So having the LEDs by default is really nice because a lot of some guys. But, but prior to that, you know, some companies weren't doing LED just yet. Like Lionel wasn't doing LED. They were using like some kind, not a condensed bulb, but like a, a higher end bulb that didn't really flicker as much. Same with MTH. But uh, LED is definitely a plus. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Huge. I can't. But uh, yeah, the, the last thing I guess I would like to mention not i guess it's not really i guess i'm throwing in my own discussion point here um so i mentioned it a few times i'm a part of a model railroad club um the nassau lionel operating engineers and uh let me tell you for anybody out there who's listening to your show if you're in an area that has a local club i highly recommend joining because you get so much out of it because you get to meet so many people out there and different knowledge and experience and different skill sets in this hobby and it's it's just so beneficial as far as taking it to the next level i would say in this hobby because you you know you meet all these people that have different interests you have guys who love subways you have guys that love um steam or electrics or and you see in hot in, in being in a club you also see various locomotives from other collections that you normally would only see on YouTube, which I think is always a plus. Like I said before, seeing my buddy Greg have a 475 in person is unbelievable. But yeah, if you're in the if you're in an area that has a model railroad club, it's it's highly beneficial to join. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that too because you bring up a huge point that you're able to actually physically see uh these models that you may normally just have to use YouTube to see it. And, you know, some of these models, you see them in person and you just, sometimes you're just blown away. Right. Cause you're like, you know, it's on, it's on a YouTube channel. It's, you know, it does a good job at kind of showing you the detail and the sounds and everything. Uh, but there's nothing like, you know, actually seeing it with your own eyes. Right. Um, so that makes that, 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 you know, you bring up a really good point. And then number two, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, uh, I mean, I've been looking into it, but uh, there's the Chicagoland Model Railroading Club, and they're out of, um, I believe, uh, New Lenox, uh, which is a little bit south to me. It's near Joliet. Uh, yeah. But uh, but they've been um, I, a couple of members have actually reached out to me and, and asked me if um, if I would like to join. So I've been I've been kind of looking into it. So so, but thanks for bringing that up. I think that's a a really good point, uh, and it's also it also creates a um, a, a social uh, a, so, a social mechanism for you uh, to get to get out and meet other people that are in the hobby, right? Yeah. So, yeah, especially now, like you know, when hopefully you know this kind of COVID stuff kind of starts to float away, and uh, you know, we kind of get things a little bit more back on track uh, with the way things were before. Um, you know, having that outlet to be able to, like, you know, oh, t- you know, today I'm going down to the club. You know, yeah. Take your take those trains that you want to run and head down there and meet new people and um, just kind of experience. And, you know, for those folks with smaller layouts, like, you know, Hey, I have a smaller layout, you know, you can, you, you can run, you know, some of your bigger engines and usually they're, you know, these, these uh, uh, club layouts are usually pretty large. So it's a, it's a good chance for you to run your train on, um, on a, a, a big, a, a fairly large scale uh, layout. Sure. I mean, to put it into perspective, my club, our way out 80 feet by 30 feet. So, like, that's a lot. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, like, it gives you an opportunity. Like, I have a, my way out is not that big. It's a four by, I think I haven't measured it in a long time, (laughs) but it's it's a four by 10 or something like that. It's not that big of a layout, really. But, you know, going to to the, being a part of a club, you know, it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, well, I might not have the space on my way out, but like if I want to buy, say, an engine I see on eBay that's twice the size that can't run on my way out, I'd be like, okay, well, I can fall back on the fact that I can just bring it to a club on a Friday night. No, that that's actually a good point because we're close to the same, uh, Matt. See, um, I'm five by twelve with an L shape, and um, and and the maximum curves that I run are 048. And yes, I can run 
most things. Uh, I can run scale northerns. Um, I don't have any problem with that. But, you know, if I ever want to, like, you know, get a big boy or something else that, you know, requires 072, well, you know, it's not happening really anytime soon. But a, a club would, would give me that chance to, uh, you know, run that engine around. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be cool. You know, I'm in a similar boat. You know, I'm 4 by 16 So it's like, you know, the I think the the factor to worry about really is your width. You know, length can be whatever you want, but I mean, width is really yeah. the big thing. You need the width for your curves. Yeah, for me, the max I have is 048, and I, I actually have to probably go back and modify my layout at some point because the 048 outer loop I have, if you see it in some of my videos, I try to hide it, but, it, you know, you, you live and learn in this hobby, and, you know, you sometimes make some mistakes with your first layout. Oh, yeah. The 048 curve edges off the table by, like, an inch. And I'm like, oh, God, if any heavy locomotive is going to take a tumble if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. Got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I don't have anything else. Um, Matt C, do you have anything? Or Matt C, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Um, no, I, I really think that was the last thing I wanted to touch on. And, uh, I'm just I'm just really happy I got we got to make this happen. Uh, this is a great great show. Uh, I think this is something that the hobby needs to head into more. I don't think there's enough podcasts out there for model railroading, and I think this is great. There's there's a lot of shows I've been. This is the second show I've been a part of, and I just think it, it's going to keep evolving and getting better. Uh, you guys do a fantastic job. Given from somebody who comes from a radio broadcasting background, I can definitely say this show is in good hands, and. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I really appreciate being on, guys. Thank you very much. No, thank thank you so much. Yeah, we 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 would appreciate and uh, you know encourage others out there uh, if you're interested. Um, you know, get get that social media started. You know, make a podcast. Yeah. Hey, reach out to us. We'll help you get it started. Yeah. Like you know, uh, it, you know, we'll we'll tell you kind of like the things that we did in starting out. Um, you know, we want. Just, you know, be just be aware that we want this uh, we want this industry to grow. Right. We want this hobby to grow. We want to be able to reach out as far as we can with it. And the only way we're the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we all kind of work together. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, we Matt and I, uh, you know, love this podcast. We're going to continue to do it because we number one, we just we we love talk. We love talking about trains. Mm -hmm. And uh, number two, uh, we hope that by doing this, we're providing uh, information and a service to others as well. So because this, you know, this podcast is for uh, not only the experienced model railroaders, but for people that are just getting into the hobby as well. So, all right. Well, with that said, uh, Matt C., uh, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate uh, your time. And uh, we re really appreciate uh, all of your, um, you know, all of your comments and uh, your, your answers to, to our questions. Absolutely. And um, we look forward to uh, having you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks. Definitely. Man. Definitely up for it. Absolutely, guys. Again, like I said before, this is this is always a lot of fun to be a part of stuff like this. And I, I just this this is truly where I think the hobby's heading, like this, this social like you know, spectrum and this whole community just keeps growing by the day. And it, it's really awesome to see stuff like this. I, I had a lot of fun guys. This is great. Awesome. Yeah, and awesome. so with that said, uh, Maddie C, where can people find you on social media? Because you're a guest on our show. We want to be able to, we want uh, you to be able to plug uh, your, your social media. So uh, where can people find you? Um, it's very straightforward. It's Maddie C trains on YouTube and then Maddie C trains on Instagram. It's very, very universal, very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, uh, Matt Z, where can people find, find you me on YouTube under Matt dash train lover, 9943. And like Maddie C, uh, Facebook, same name. Awesome. And I can be found at West Chicago model railroad, uh, on YouTube and on Facebook under the same name. And uh, if you'd like to find me on Instagram, uh, if you just do a search for WCMRR, you could find me there. So now uh, just a little information on the podcast here. Uh, we will be creating a Facebook page for this podcast and it should be up fairly soon. So uh, if you're listening to this now, 
hopefully it'll be up by then and uh, just give a search on Facebook uh, for uh, the uh, Matt and Matt O'Scale Train podcast and you'll find us there. You'll find podcast information. Uh, we're going to post all of our uh, links to our episodes on there as well. Uh, and we really feel like the Facebook uh, will give us a, a great presence uh, on that particular social media platform. So um, with that all said, uh, again, Matt C, thanks for coming on. Matt Z, uh, thank you for being an awesome co-host. Right. And uh, everybody have a wonderful night. Care.